podcast with his holy mess father paul welcome to episode four last week we had part one of my interview with a catholic exorcist uh, i think it's going pretty well so far the reviews dave what do you think about that yeah very interesting stuff i was uh kind of captivated couldn't like edge of your seat type stuff you know and i was just like i uh, can't wait to hear more so i'm very excited yeah i cannot wait for all of you to hear part two uh so far this one is definitely uh the most downloaded so far in the uh, amount of time that it has been happening i'm sure because of the uh the subject matter uh a lot of family and friends uh, definitely interested in this one perfect timing with halloween and everything so i think it went pretty well so without further ado part two with my interview with father ghostbuster a catholic exorcist yeah i mean and look i mean it's also i mean it's it's not a secret that you know the devil has messed with to put it lightly like a lot of people who ended up becoming saints a, a lot of people not just mother Teresa, but saint john marie vna uh saint padre pio you just named a couple uh saint gemma uh and uh saint mary of bethlehem i believe you said uh, yeah Teresa of avila is another big one you know her book interior castle she talks about that different things that would happen to her afflictions so to speak yeah because they're doing amazing things for the kingdom of god is it yeah. not true uh, correct me if i'm wrong but did the devil um, tells St. John Vianney that if there were only like three other priests like him, that his kingdom of darkness would not be able to, to, to stand at all. There's something like that. You know, I can't recall exactly, but there, there is something there for certain that the, the enemy said to him. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, well, do you mind if I ask you, I mean, do you ever get messed with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's kind of it's kind of strange because I've asked some of the other guys, probably 15 or 20 of them, you know, do you guys ever get any, quote unquote, you know, retaliation or kickback or forms of harassment? And some of them do and some of them don't whatsoever. So I think the Lord, you know, knows what we can handle. He He gives us each different graces according to what's going to be beneficial for, for our own growth and trust and sanctity and um, doing his will. But absolutely, I get retaliation all the time. Am I afraid of it? No. Do I expect it? No. I just, you know, if the Lord permits it, it happens. And sometimes it's more serious. Sometimes it's less serious. Um, a lot of guys will like get flat tires on their car. Or like, for example, we just started this class. And literally, as I'm kind of logging into the the zoom or whatever it is that we're doing here the fire alarms start going off in the house i'm staying in right they start going bananas like 100 percent, i knew who that was so i didn't panic i just was like okay i know what's at work here let me just figure this out or pull the batteries out do what i ever do what i ever need to do um so sometimes they're just annoyances they're disturbances but sometimes it does take the shape of um emotional affliction torment um spiritual right could come in different spiritual ways or even physical. I've been, I'll be honest, I've been choked in the middle of the night more times than I can count. Feeling the presence of an entity in my room, knowing I'm not asleep, you know, kind of hearing uh, my towel fall off the rack or some clothes and 
something fuddling around in the corner of my room. And it's just like, I kind of take St. John Vianney's example, not that I'm anywhere near how holy he was, but it's like, oh, okay, it's you again. Like I'm going back to bed and I'm not even, I don't even engage them. Sometimes I pray, sometimes I just laugh and go back to bed because it's just so ridiculous. So I get annoyed and the temptation for me is to get angry, right? They're trying to get me to fall into the sin of anger because they're taking away my valuable sleep that I need to be present to, you know, mass the next day or those whom I serve or whatever. So there's also the temptation to like not trust, right? Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm awake half the night. I'm going to be a mess tomorrow. I'm already a, a mess. Um, so yeah, it takes many different shapes and forms. Um, the enemy can come after your family. That's, that's very true. If he can't get to you, well, he's going to go after your loved ones. And I think a lot of parents these days experience that with their children. I think that they would agree with me. So it just uh, solidifies and reiterates how important it is for us to pray, not to focus on the devil, to focus on Jesus, but just to try to be faithful to a daily life of prayer, right? Invoking St. Michael maybe once a day or once a week, just asking him to protect you and your family and your your finances, your home, right? Keep your home a, a holy place. Uh, I know we got some questions that, that people wrote to you, Father Paul, and one of those was talking about, you know, if something happens in the house and quote unquote, if somebody o opens a portal that lived there before you, can you be affected? And we could get into that later, but um, that's a couple different things there. But uh, yeah. Uh, whatchamacallit. So, <clears throat> yeah, and I think the devil's messing over here. These these, these things constantly uh, coming up on the computer. I think trying to distract me with these uh, sounds. It, yeah. I mean, look. Um, it, it, we don't say these things to scare, right? I mean, I don't know how you do it personally. I mean, if I was, I mean, you just talk about being choked in the middle of the night, okay? Like, and you're like, yeah, it annoys me. Like, I, I would have ran through the room, jumped out the window, uh, and you know, go crying to my mommy and my daddy. So, I don't know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, and, and I'm not trying to put you up there, right, with with Padre Pio or Vianney. As you said, it's not about like you. It's about your ministry. Like there's a specific time. Yeah. I remember when I was learning about the priesthood and stuff and, you know, somebody said something, I mean, and look, this is not dogma, right. Or anything like that. But somebody just said something like, listen, everybody gets a guardian angel, but a priest, I've, I've heard a different version of it. The first version yeah. I heard was, look, everyone gets a guardian angel, but a priest gets 10. <laughs> I've, I heard a priest gets two because, because there's a mark on their back then. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the enemy is, is, is after them. And so, but let's talk to fear. Like, let, let's talk to fear, right? Because I think our inclination, especially because of the movies, would be to, um, to be, afraid. be afraid. Why should we not be afraid of the devil? Why should we not be afraid of demons? Like, why, why are we allowed to even talk about not fearing them? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I, I heard it said the other day, I don't know what I was listening to or reading, but it said there's no fear in faith. And that, that really struck me. Um, I think if we have, you know, the fear of God operating in us, like a holy fear, right? The gift of the Holy Spirit, fear of losing our relationship with God, there's not going to be any room uh, for fear of the devil. But I'll share with you a story that may highlight because fear is also... Uh, like an emotion, right? It can, it can overwhelm us at times and cause anxiety and concern and worry, all kinds of stuff. I remember I was uh, doing a retreat one time 
and I went to kind of the main retreat house and they had all these different hermitages. I go to the main house and I, I get the blessed sacrament, right? So I have our Lord in the Eucharist. I, I put him into the pocket on my chest, right? Kind of carrying him there, put my hand over it. He's close to my heart. And I'm walking with my backpack and my gear to my hermitage. It's pitch black. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I just have this little tiny flashlight. And I, I had a great day, you know, a long drive and, and is excited for my retreat to spend time with the Lord and just to have a little break and some, some human time, some me time with the Lord. And as I'm walking to my little hermitage, out of nowhere, this, oh, I didn't sense a presence, but just this overwhelming fear um, came over me. And it was more than fear. It was like, I use the word terror. It was like a spirit of terror. And I was absolutely terrified. I wasn't terrified of any particular thing. It just completely oppressed me and manipulated uh, that part of my emotional personhood to where I could not control it. And I, I was afraid. Um, so what I did is I just, you know, brought it to the intellect and, and turned to the Lord in faith. And it's like, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Uh, you're right here. You can't be any closer to me. I have the blessed sacrament. You're present. Why am I terrified? What is going on? Like, and I just kept praying. And then all of a sudden, as quick as it came, it lifted, it was gone. So I think the, as soon as the enemy realized he had no power over me, uh, no power over our Lord Jesus, then he was wasting his time. God is so much more powerful uh, than these demons are. I mean, they literally, when I'm giving them commands, when I'm doing a solemn rite of exorcism, they are shaking in their boots. I mean, they're begging me to not say certain things or certain truths. Um, yeah, you just see that how it afflicts them and affects them and, and, and tortures them. So I think we are the ones who can give them uh, power. Yes, they have some power, but we have a lot more power if we're in a state of grace, uh, being temples of the Holy Spirit and being one with God and receiving the Eucharist, having all these graces available to us. I mean, yeah, the Lord permits little annoyances here and there and disturbances or whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, um, by the grace of God, if need, if need be, we can kick the devil's butt. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That reminds me of a uh, a baptismal <clears throat> font, a baptismal font at St. Paul's uh, Basilica, St. Paul's outside the walls in Rome. Have you been there? I have not, unfortunately, not yet. Yeah, so I'd like to say there's a uh, a baptismal font where there's like a little boy um, putting his dipping his fingers into the uh, baptismal font of the the baptismal water, the holy water. And as the the little child is baptized, is um, you know, cleansing himself with uh, the holy water of baptism, uh, there's this other little like demon that's turning away in terror, because yeah. like the devil is scared of the baptized. He like, really is because Christ is within us. So like we should not focus on on the devil. We focus on Christ. We focus on Christ. We, we a healthy awareness. That it, you know, it is real and stuff like that. And um, but but for our, our focus to be on the Lord, let the we don't fight the the enemy, the, the Lord does. Uh the Lord the Lord fights the battle. And um Amen. And, you know, unless you've been specifically, you know, uh called to this ministry. I mean, well, everybody, we could always, every baptized person, you know, can, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, bind and 
send forth all, you know, evil and we could all bless our, you know, houses with holy water and our rooms and everything like that, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, not on our on our own authority. Um, there's just one last question before we get uh, before we uh, get into the uh, different um, Q and A and questions. Before, when we were talking about the uh, the thing with Mother Teresa, obviously she was a very devout saint. She received the Eucharist every single day, uh, holy adoration every single day. But at some point, you said something that the sacraments weren't enough, and that that that's why she needed these extra prayers. Um, how could the sacraments not be enough? I mean, that doesn't actually sound right. So that that sounds bad. That's good you brought that up. I mean, the sacraments are enough. So uh, let, me, let me take that back. No, I, I don't say that uh, to you, Father, uh, yeah. as as a criticism of what you said. No, of course. Why, of what course. I, I'll, let me explain what I meant by that. So there are people that um, go to church constantly, right? There are people that receive the sacrament of reconciliation uh, on a regular basis that go to church and receive the Eucharist. And yet, their life is not all sunshine and rainbows. Like, you know, they're still, um, still struggling. They're still struggling. So what I meant is um, not that like, you know, Jesus is not enough or whatever, but um, how could we say, you know, to explain to even somebody as holy as mother Teresa, that um, sometimes, you know, what appears to be just going to mass, going to confession, doing the good Catholic things. That doesn't mean that things are, 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 are okay. I mean, obviously we're talking specifically here that she did need um, some type of exorcism prayer. Um, but anything you could just speak to that before our next segment? Yeah, I would say, I guess the sacraments are what sustain us, right? That's our, that's our nourishment. So I think the sacraments in mother Teresa's case were what was helping her not despair, right? It was giving her fortitude to just trust that that God is here, that Jesus is a still Emmanuel. He's still Lord. Um, you know, the enemy has not won. So she never showed a single sign of any type of despair or doubt in with that specific situation in her life. So I think the sacraments were, were very integral uh, in her liberation. Uh, and here lies the mystery, you know, if the sacraments were enough, why do we need exorcism, right? So there's there's something to the ministry of exorcism that exists for a reason. Uh, maybe that we have to reach out, you know, people that are uh, being harassed by the enemy or afflicted by him in whatever manner. Like it takes a lot of humility to to admit that. And it's it's absolutely embarrassing for these people. I mean, the things that happen. I mean, I've seen somebody vomit. I, I quit counting at 55 times. I mean, that's not even humanly possible. Like, how embarrassing that is for the person that may have urinated and defecated all over themselves and thrown up, you know, a hundred times. I mean, that's so, yeah, it's just a, so much mystery there. Um, I, I'm not certain as to why, you know, we need the ministry of exorcism, but clearly it's something that the, the Lord desires. And even though it's a sacramental, which is not even close to as powerful as the sacraments, um, it needs to exist. And it's been the tradition of the church for many, many years. I mean, it's very scriptural and, and biblical, not only in the life of Christ, but you open up the Acts of the Apostles and you see exorcisms taking place with the first apostles. So it's just something the Lord desired to uh, continue, you know, to show his, his sovereignty and power, right? Not over, not just over uh, creation, but all of the creatures he created as well. 
Yeah, and that's a, an important part, uh, point that, like, uh, you touched on this earlier. The Lord doesn't, like, will, right? He doesn't cause evil. No, right? not, what's, not, not, no, not whatsoever. Yeah, no. he doesn't cause it. It's not like he's like, hey, yeah, I want, you know, let me, you know, uh, possess this person so then that then I could, you know, show my love. It, it may be in his, per, per, we would call permissive will, allowing it, as you said earlier, but does correct. not directly cause, Correct. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. And there's a lot of mystery too. Like I know from my own life, uh, even as a religious, I was, you know, affected, uh, bothered by the devil all the time. But if I have to be honest with myself, it was because even as a religious, I had forgotten about things that I had done, new age things that I had been involved in, uh, spiritual doors that I had opened that were never closed. So the Lord kind of permitted these things to happen to me so that I could renounce them, fully repent, bring them into the sacrament of reconciliation so that it could all go bye-bye. So I think sometimes there's things in our past that have left the door just cracked enough for the smoke of Satan to kind of enter into our, our home or our life or our, our workplace or whatever. So, Hey, thanks, uh, Father Egon. Um <laughs> <laughs> so all right um we're gonna get into a little bit of the q a i mean there's so much stuff that we haven't touched on i and know so i there's there's so much stuff um so could we and thank god we're doing two episodes okay so we're gonna do a part one and a part two um and you know we could always talk again in the future but um my first question is uh do exorcisms always work <clears throat> I would say if the person, um, if their free will has consented to the exorcism um, and they are really seeking in sincerity and humility of heart, liberation, and they're actually praying, yes, they always work. Do they always bring about a full liberation of somebody that's possessed? Absolutely not. Um, exorcism is a process, it takes time. It's not necessarily a drive-through service. But the disposition of the person being afflicted, so I'll just teach a term here, one of the terms that we use, it's a Greek term. Uh, it was a term that was used in the early church, energumen, just means the possessed. So those who are possessed are the energumen. So when the energumen come to me and they have been longing for liberation for quite some time, they are using the sacrament of reconciliation weekly or monthly, and they are going to mass faithfully every Sunday uh, daily mass if they can, doing holy hours, saying daily prayers, their liberation comes about much quicker and faster than somebody who's kind of lukewarm in their faith, yet still turning to the Lord. So a, a lot of the weight is also on the energumen. You know, I, I use the analogy of somebody that goes to the dentist, you know, it, it's not like that, where you just go and you kind of prop your mouth open and they ask you if you're flossing every day and you lie and you say yes and they know you're lying and, and you're just sitting there doing nothing. That's not what exorcism is. Exorcism, uh, the energumen need to be doing more than the exorcist because that's their life. And if they're not, I can tell immediately like, hey, let's stop for a second. What's going on? There's a, there's a block. There's an obstacle. Is there something you're not telling me? I'll ask them, you know, you know, is there somebody you haven't forgiven? And it's like, oh, yeah, Father. Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, let me mention this. I use tarot cards. We didn't talk about that. So, now, okay, now we got to renounce the tarot cards. And 
break any curses that came through or any strongholds or any seals. So there's always these little tidbits of information that kind of come in and drips and drabs, but that's, that's part of the exorcism. It's being effective, uh, breaking something where it's giving them the freedom to kind of bring that forward vocally and repent and renounce that. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of shame, humiliation, embarrassment, pride. I mean, fear, right? There's so many reasons. Just think of the sacrament of reconciliation. As a missionary priest, I do a lot of parish missions and I can't tell you how many parishes I go to and, you know, five to 10 people will come to me after I give a talk and they're like, Father, I, I haven't made a real confession since I'm 17 and I was just too afraid. And this is what I want to tell you now. And it's like, okay, let's start from scratch and confess everything from from that moment forward and let's clean house and you're going to be fully free after this no more weight to carry around so it's not just happening in the sacrament or in the exorcisms it's happening in the sacrament of reconciliation as well so it's it's much deeper but just a similarity Amen. there to point out there's huge amazing amazing deliverance in the sacrament of reconciliation and uh did you say that uh, somebody quoted before that receiving absolution in the sacrament is like more powerful than a, a hundred exorcisms or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just share with you a quick story, Father Paul. I was many, many years ago, I, I think I was 17 and I, I was one of those people that, you know, uh, did fake confessions and hid and concealed sins out of fear and pride and embarrassment or fill in the blank. So really the only confession I had ever really made was my, my first confession. And I went to confession when I was 17. And, and I'll be honest, I, I, I may have been possessed. Uh, I easily could have with all of the sins that I had committed. And I was a little reticent to go to confession. But this older priest, you know, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, my son, would you like to go to confession? And like a fear lifted. And I said, sure. And he, I had no idea what to do. He walked me through everything. And I think the Lord permitted this to show me his power and his love. Uh, and to give me faith in the church and the sacrament of reconciliation, because I struggled with it. I believed in the Eucharist, but I struggled understanding the sacrament of confession. And I kid you not, Padre, the moment he gave me absolution, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I felt like a hundred pounds of bricks was taken off my shoulder, like Amen. physically, Amen. physically, like there was a weight, there was a liberation that took place yeah. upon that absolution. So a hundred percent. Amen. And I was surprised. I, I didn't even know I was carrying that around. I was like, what just happened? I've been like, there, I'm a bro. Different person. I'm a different person. Yeah. No, dude, literally, I, I do. I have been there. I'm just, I'm going to say an amen, hallelujah to that. No joke, Sorry. man. I mean, to the point where like <clears throat> something, I felt like I, 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 the way that I have described this feeling to some people after this one absolution, when uh, a confession, after I hadn't gone for forever and I was a teenager, Dude, I felt like the angels were tickling me. I'm not kidding. Like the good yeah. holy angels, I felt like they were just tickling me, bro. Like it was unbelievable. So there is power, power in the sacrament Amen. of confession. Amen. Oh, dude, Amen. I, I, and I've, and I've been on the other side where I'm the priest giving the absolution and I know something is happening. It yeah. is Jesus Christ there. It is Jesus oh, yeah. Christ there. So, all right, let's move on with a, a couple questions. Um, Father Ghostbuster, what are um, what are some of the most common ways that somebody ends up possessed? Most common ways? Well, I would say first and foremost, uh, mortal sin, right? Serious, grave sin that 
offends God. Um, I always tell my penitents that are struggling uh, doing a good examination of conscience. There's basically three lenses we can look through to to take a look at our our sins, the ways that we've transgressed. I say number one, well, the Ten Commandments is the best thing to look at, and all the subcategories. But we can directly sin against God. We can sin against our neighbor and sin against ourselves. And I think the sins that are direct, intentional, um, uh, offensive transgressions towards God, those are the ones that will get people possessed uh, the most easily. Or people willfully um, giving themselves over to the devil, like kind of making a pact. Or you may have heard the term, you know, somebody sold their soul to the devil. Um, So full subjugation of the will right uh happens so so for example you think of somebody like judas or hitler um they were probably both possessed um but like you you look at hitler and it was a probably a perfect possession right full subjugation of the will uh he didn't care um he wasn't seeking liberation so the enemy wasn't really manifesting himself for everybody else to see but if you just look at the level of evil that existed in his life i mean clearly that's the work of the devil um new age stuff so like okay in our modern times here um you know ouija board isn't as common as it used to be but absolutely that's a portal kind of for channeling the devil or let me say a a doorway so to speak a spiritual door uh seeking psychics and mediums right necromancy conversing with the dead not turning to god right having no trust in god's plan and will for your life you know trying to seek knowledge um from somebody else or someone else right um, right, and so basically, do you mind if I those, stop those mediums? Sure. Let's let's get on the, the 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 topic of Ouija board and mediums. Two different things. Um, so, why are Ouija boards okay? When I'm sorry, <laughs> not okay, not okay. Why are Ouija boards no no? If they are, this is literally a question that people have asked me. If they are literally like. Um, at, sold at Toys R Us, sold at toy stores. Like they're in toy stores. Ouija, like the Ouija board game, a board game. So, yeah. So, Dr. and Galen. Yeah. So, can you speak to why, why, why are Ouija boards uh, not okay and why they're even presented as toys? <clears throat> well, I, I think the enemy is very, uh, very cunning with his, you know, subterfuges. So, he wants to masquerade things as a good. Right. So he makes that attractive. He makes something attractive and not seem evil so that out of curiosity, we do it. And I always tell people the devil's not a gentleman. Right. You you, you do something that gives him permission like he's going to come into your house. Um, you, you, you didn't you signed at the dotted line and you failed to read the small print. So when you use a Ouija board, that's exactly what's happening. Right. You're you're allowing you're opening up yourself to to channel or to to for a demon to be channeled through you to to use your hands and move the planchette or to use your voice i mean that's scary that's that's possession he's possessing your body to move that planchette around i mean that is no joke you're you're jumping straight into the deep end there with with the devil what if and, the intention is not to to do that what if they just think they're they're playing a game or like they're you know they, they don't want to talk to the devil but maybe they want to May, yeah, might want like, to talk to like, one of their siblings so like that passed away yeah, or like something the, they got a lot of that stuff online right like the ouija boards online it takes different forms and shapes charlie charlie or peter peter or whatever it's called i know 
different people that have been had some manifestations from using those things. So yeah, even if unfortunately, even if somebody is ignorant, right, or if it's just out of curiosity, you're still playing with fire. And once again, the devil's not a gentleman, he's not going to go, Oh, well, this, this kid's only seven years old, or six years old, or nine years old. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just thinks he's trying to have fun. He doesn't care. Um, I mean, I think in the eyes of the Lord, it'll be a less, a lot less likely for that person to be affected by that Ouija board experience because of their ignorance and lack of culpability. And they're not like willfully sinning. So even though it's a very serious matter and it's very offensive towards God, and you know, you look at the Old Testament, and it's very clear that we are we're not to do those things. Um, so those people, I guess what I'm trying to say is they'd be less likely to be possessed off of that Ouija board experience, as opposed to somebody that's knows it's wrong, uh, knows their faith, know it's a contradiction, know it's offensive towards God, um, and they're going to do it anyways. That's when somebody's really opening themselves up. But I think the case, you know, that you, that you mentioned at the beginning of the show with, um, the movie, the exit, was it the exorcist or whatever it's called? Yeah. The Exorcist. I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, it was from a Ouija board it was. kind of experience encounter. And he was a very young boy and got possessed very severely. I mean, it was a very intense case that took months of, of prayers with some really wild manifestations. So those were some really high-powered spirits that came in. Some are high-powered, some aren't, but those were big boys, you know. And and then just to touch base on the, the mediums, well, let me, yeah, let me get are, into the mediums okay. in, in a second. Okay. So, because, uh, that, that, wow. Yeah, one step um, so even, so even if your intention is not to do something like to, you know, cooperate with evil, it can still affect you. Even if you just think you're playing a game, that's the bottom line. Correct. And you can extend that yes. to TV shows, to foreign, you know, fornication before marriage, you know, people really love each other and, you know, think that they're expressing that love and don't think they're doing anything wrong, but it's objectively, you know, contradicts the faith. It, it's it's a violation, right? It's offensive in the eyes of God. It's a serious sin. Okay, some culpability may be reduced because of their ignorance, but you can still open yourself up to some to some dark stuff. You know, there's no doubt about it. All right, you just open up a can of worms. I mean, I. I you 100% that's a, a mortal sin uh you know um the uh, sex before marriage thing we're going to I promise that we are going to do an entire episode on uh Catholic, I'm talking to the audience right now father uh we're going to do an entire episode on uh the theology of the body and catholic sexual teaching so we'll get into um why uh some of these hot button sexual moral issues are taught uh by the church or whatever um but what I think father's saying here is like yeah like you know um you know, we're, we're, we don't want to mess around with sin. Uh, yeah, we, any, we don't wanna, any serious, we don't want right? to, not to not scare, we don't want to, but it's just so weird because people don't, they don't even believe that that is a sin. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, and, correct. and that's, and that's the enemy at work downplaying it so much so that not even, not only is it not a sin in the eyes of people, it's turned into something good. Right. What were the days when when evil is called good and good is called evil? Well, oh, that's what? happening we, we've all arrived. the time now. We've arrived. And this is not a condemnation, right? I mean, like, no, no, you know, not whatsoever. Yeah, not at all. But what do you what do you mean by? I was about to get in the mediums, but then you just threw in like uh, the TV shows. What do you talk, What do you mean with these TV shows? 
Well, I mean, there's a there's all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, there's all these Ghostbuster shows and paranormal stuff, and um, I can't remember. I, oh, it's coming to me. It's um, I don't even know if it's still on. I think it was John Edwards. He was a medium, a necromancer called uh, Crossing Over. Right? He claims to be Catholic. Claims to pray the Rosary every day. I'm sure he does, and I'm sure he is Catholic. But what he's doing, obviously, isn't very Catholic. You know, on this show, he would claim to be speaking to your dead relatives and he was bringing people solace and consolation and peace. And he had real information. I mean, stuff that nobody can know. That's what we call a primary sign that points to full demonic possession. So that's called necromancy, communication with the dead, seeking information from them. Very different than our relationship. Right, this is a great segue. Great Very segue because there's also the Catholic the medium, the the Teresa something, but all right. So we're gonna we're about to get into a whole thing about mediums right now. But but w when you said the TV shows, like, do you mean even watching something like that can 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 be a, a a doorway? It can be a little bit of a doorway. Now, saying that you can get possessed from one of these shows, okay, that may be a stretch, but it's, I just wanted it's to unhealthy. clarify. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. So, all right. So mediums, what's the deal father? Like, why can't we see, you know, that, that guy, John Edwards, there's even like uh, I forget her name, Teresa, something like the Catholic medium or the long Island medium, or, you know, yeah. Catholics, they watch the show. I've, I've heard them bring her up many times and it, yeah. you know, she's got a statue of Mary outside. She prays the rosary with her family. Um, you were just telling me about this guy that I don't know as much about John Edwards. Like, so what's, what's the problem with that? And, I'm going to uh, co um, coincide this with a question that I was asked um, if like, why can't we talk to mediums, right? If you as an exorcist, two things here, we're going to go with two. I'm going to do uh, to you again, what you're doing to me. Uh, we're going <laughs> to, all right. So two things. One, uh, why can't we talk to mediums? If you can talk, I'm sorry, erase everything I just said. Okay. If you as an exorcist can talk to demons, why can mediums not talk to saints or angels? Okay, that's a good question. I'm, I'm um, just going to stop there. Well, first of all, I'll say the only one who's allowed to, to speak and dialogue with demons is an appointed exorcist, right? Once again, an exorcist that has expressed permission from the bishop, not just somebody who's been trained as an exorcist. It's actually in the rite of exorcism um, tells us to ask the demons questions. So, for example, in the Latin rite of exorcism, it's, it, it, it uh, notes to the priest in the preamble there to ask the demon what his name is, uh, how did he enter, um, and how will he leave, and like when will he leave, what will be the sign of his departure, right? But so we're asking the demons questions that will only specifically be helpful for the exorcist to assist and aid in the liberation uh, of the person of the energumen. Um, there's unfortunately been many exorcists to just sit there and start chit chatting with the demons, getting all kinds of information out of curiosity, you know, who's going to be our next president and all kinds. I mean, they know a lot of things, right? They don't know the future. They can predict the future based on you know, many different uh, things that they observe, but he's going to tempt you with that for certain. Um, for example, I tell my my team members, whatever you do, do not ever speak to the energumen. Do not address them. 
if the person asks you how your day was, you can respond and that's it. There's no dialogue because half the time you don't know who you're talking to. Are you talking to the person or are you talking to the demons? The demon doesn't always use his his voice. He can use the voice uh, of the person that he's possessing. So I'm not just asking them all kinds of random questions. Sometimes I'll ask, yeah. you know, what choir are you from so that I can learn how to torture him theologically, right? So there's different reasons why I'll ask questions, but it's never for my personal gain or benefit or for me to just gain some knowledge. Um, it's, it's strictly business, so to speak. Um, and I have permission from the bishop. So comparing that to just a normal lay person that wants to go to a medium to, you know, find out, uh, you know, if they're, when are they going to get married or, you know, if they have any health issues or I, I don't, I don't even know what type of questions uh, people are asking these mediums these days, but basically I probably should have started with that because why, like, so why can't we go to mediums? Well, because it's something God, God commanded, right? So we, we want to be obedient to God. So that's, that's the primary thing, right? God desires obedience uh, over all things. Um, so we were obedient as children of God because we love God. We know he's our father. We know he knows best. He doesn't always have to give us the answer. Um, so sometimes we kind of do things blindly, but we, we do it out of trust. But ultimately, when, we, when someone goes to see a psychic or a medium or a necromancer or fill in the blank, why are you going? You're interested in information about the future because for some reason you don't trust right you don't trust in god's plan for your life um, you're trying to put more trust in human beings well if this person can give me some information i i may be able to take <clears throat> these steps to you know advance my career or to prolong my health or whatever it is instead of kind of taking taking the route that kind of god has designed for us we're trying to you know, kind of jump across the road there, so to speak. So. All right. Yeah. I, I always thought that it came down to the first commandment. Like I am the Lord, your God, you know, you shall, you know, have one God. And the, 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 that under that goes the, like the whole trust factor. Yeah. You know? I'm trying to break down the layers of it, but yeah, absolutely. That yeah. Would be the yeah. Prime, no, the I, absolutely. Reason. But then, all right. So, but if like, if we can pray to saints, right. If we can pray to saints, so then why can't, why can't we, or, or like, you know, my brother passed away. Right. And sometimes like, I'll still talk to him. I don't conjure him up. I don't go to a seance or like a medium or a psychic, but like sometimes I'll, I'll talk to my brother. Cause I, I do believe that, you know, he's in heaven. So what's the difference between like praying to saints or talking to our, you know, dead relatives in just like a, a normal way, I guess, uh, whatever. I mean, it's not normal, but you know, then like going to a medium or a psychic for them to talk to them? Well, first of all, the, the psychics, right? Some of them are charlatans. It's, it's all fake. But there's definitely some of them uh, that are real, like, like John Edwards, in my opinion. I, I, I think what he's doing is, uh, is wrong, but you can't deny the information and facts that he's able to, to get. Yeah, so the problem the is, is, the thing is, who are these medium mediums speaking to? They think they're speaking to your family member. That's what you think. But the demon is an, uh, the devil's an angel of light, right? It's the demons that they're getting information from because the demons have been around. They know who your family members are. 
they they knew what they were about. They know a lot of things and they network, right? There are clusters of these demons. Some of them hate each other. Some of them like each other. Some of them are under another demon's authority. So they can command another demon, hey, go find this out for me about Father Paul's brother or whatever, right? They can get information. Um, so that they're trying to get you to trust them, to put your trust in their information over God's. But when we pray to the saints, we're we're not really asking them for information about the future. What what does properly disposed intercession look like? Those that supplication, that petition to a saint, you know, Saint Michael, defend us in battle. Like Saint Michael, protect us. Right? I want to get some angels in my airways. I I'm not an angel. I'm not a spiritual being. I can't fight this battle, this war. Uh, I'm asking you to do this for me because that's your job. You have the the gifts for that and the skill set, right? I'm going to stay in my lane. Um, you know, the different saints have um, their patrons over different things. Let's say you're you're depressed or you're struggling with mental illness. Well, you may ask for prayers from St. Jude or St. Dimphna, right? So these particular saints that experienced particular trials and difficulties and manifested a heroic virtue by the grace of God and kind of overcame these challenges, they seem to be examples of, of people that we could ask uh, to, to ask God for help for us. So if they're in heaven with God, uh, they have pull, right? They have weight. Uh, if, you know, if St. Francis is up there, you know, close to the throne of God, well, I'm going to ask St. Francis to help me out with something. Well, our Amen. deceased family members, our deceased family members, you know, God willing, and we have Christian hope, they exactly. may be in purgatory. We don't know. Like so, my brother, he's not a canonized saint. So, um, Father Buster, can I can I talk to my brother in some way though, even though he's not a a canonized saint, without it being sinful, like without it being like conjuring up the dead or like a séance or something. I, I mean, it's borderline. There, I, I don't know the official teaching of the church. I'm not an expert. I would say we need to to, to proceed with caution. I think if I could take a guess, unfortunately, or I'd say fortunately, I, I haven't had to go through losing somebody that's super close to me to where I would be, you know, my heart would be, you know, reaching out to them. But if I could take a guess at somebody who loses a family member like yourself and is kind of talking to them, I think it's more for your own psychological com uh, consolation. And I don't think that's a negative thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the danger lies in if this person is not in heaven, and I'm not referring to your brother, um, but there's nothing that they could do for us, right? Um, so if I'm asking, you know, my, my great grandma to pray for me and she's in purgatory or hell, maybe if she's in purgatory, the Lord does something. I'm, I'm not certain. But we just want to be careful there. And that's just kind of the, the wisdom and prudence of the church uh, that guides us in that way, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I'm not an expert there, and I. Yeah, yeah I don't. No. I don't think and I, I can give you a good And I, and I, and I do. That. I I proceed with caution. I always say that, like, you know, the Lord, like, hey, let the, you know, in your name, Jesus, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, I'm not asking my brother to, you know, give me the, um, you know, the lottery numbers or whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, just talking, uh, you know, believing, uh, having the hope that he's with them. And, and, and I believe that I received many signs, you know, and mm -hmm. that could be that's something that we have to proceed with caution, too, because sometimes we do get sometimes I see I've met people where they say that they've met with a medium and then they were filled with like unbelievable peace. And somebody would say, well, how could that be then of the devil? 
Like if I go to a medium, which I have not, by the way, I, I, I am completely against it. But some people have gone and I, and I know people, lovely people, not not bad people, well-intentioned that sure. have lost like a child. And, you know, like a young, a young child and, and they, and they go to a medium seeking some type of, of closure and peace. And yeah. we don't have to Solid. reiterate yeah. why they shouldn't, because that's because we believe that God is the ultimate peace, that God loves their child more than anyone ever possibly can. And that, that child is in the, the care of God and they could just go straight to God. Right. Yeah. Um, for that consolation. Would I be correct on that? Yeah. I mean, how many of these people have gone to go sit before the blessed sacrament? I mean, I, I wonder if the answer to their, their heart's pains is, is waiting in the blessed sacrament in the tabernacle. And they, they never even gave the Lord an opportunity. Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. You, that, that's, that's probably one of the most powerful things uh, that you said, not that anything else you said was not good, but that just hit a, a chord with me because a lot of people, they go straight to like a medium or to a psychic and they, they don't even go to church. Yeah. They don't even give the Lord a chance. They don't even go to pray. So that's, that's touching on something deep, deep, deeper, deeper, yeah. man. Yeah. Give the church a chance. Give the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle and church a, a, a chance. Amen. 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 Well, the, right, the enemy preys on our brokenness, right? So there's yeah. a woundedness. There's a there's a brokenness there. And the enemy loves to exploit our woundedness. There's no doubt about it. And what you just shared and the example you gave is perfect for that. So he just takes advantage of that 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 time where they're really down and low and, and feeling that loss and tragedy. And he just tries to show up like a knight in shining armor with all of the answers, right? He wants to completely rob, rob God and them of, of, of goodness. All right, father. Um, I've only so far have asked two questions of the people that sent me. And there's some, uh, quite some people that I promised I would ask. So not, this okay. is not a fire, uh, fire round. What's the expression A fire something around? Um, but, um, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. We don't have to take yeah. a lot of time on them, but uh, okay. one of them was asked from a, a, a Catholic priest. He actually has a pretty uh, big uh, following on social media, um, and he works with uh, Bishop Barron from time to time. His name is Father Stephen Gadbury. I got his permission to say his name on the air. Um, and and uh, he wants to know, like, how does the devil use manipulated good intentions and holy reasons to create divisions in the church? And then he gives an example, for example, like fights over the liturgy or mm. fights over the priesthood or over pastoral ministry. So, again, how can the devil or how does the devil use manipulated good intentions and holy reasons to create divisions in the church, such as liturgical wars, um, fights about, you know, maybe like a male or female priesthood and, um, you know, stuff like that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and I don't I'm not going to claim to have a perfect answer for that. Um, I think the at the root of all of it is that um, we're all broken, right? So even though we have good intentions, um, there's a brokenness that the enemy is still going to prey on, right? There's uh, especially amongst the clergy members, and I know because I'm one of them, right? Um, all of us, to a degree, whether you're a priest or not, we all struggle with pride, right? We struggle with 
getting our preference or we we want to be right or you know it's it's got to be this way this this is this is my interpretation of this is what the church is doing so like it's that or the highway like nothing else so i think there's a lack of humility um would be one of the reasons but i think ultimately too it comes down to what is the will of god right what is what does god desire so are we is our good intention aligned with the perfect will of the father and if it's not uh, we're not going to see those fruits that we're looking for and and one of the things the enemy wants to do is divide and conquer right he wants to destroy um but similarly i mean not similarly but um how do i say this like you look at jesus right and there's there's something along the lines in the gospel about that he came to cause division right amongst family right father will be against son son will be against father um you know sibling rivalry etc like the 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 ushering in of the kingdom of god is is going to create uh divisions unfortunately but i think you know we have to humble ourselves and 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 take a step back kind of you know zoom out for a second and go okay this person's saying this is god saying something here could could i be wrong i i was completely sold that this was it i i did all the discernment i fasted and prayed but why is there so much resistance well we could be wrong we don't have it all figured out and that's why we're a body you know and i think as long as humanity can continue to exist right concupiscence our fallen nature is going to exist i don't think we're ever going to be able to discern the will of god perfectly as a body so there's always going to be disagreement there's always going to be division and the enemy wants to destroy the church just as though he wants to destroy families the priesthood fatherhood motherhood sonship daughtership right he he wants to the greater good that is in something the more he wants to destroy it right think of our sexuality he wants to come in destroy it distort it because it has such an ability to be a beautiful and holy thing in the proper context of marriage and that uh covenant you know so i don't have a perfect answer for that father what about uh, i thought that any, was that was thoughts? That was really great. Uh, no, not not for now. I'm just going to go to the next question, and uh, okay. I think that was beautiful. People could could ponder on that, um, uh, just for the time's sake. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So this person, I I, I found it kind of funny. Uh, they were they wanted to uh, preface this with, "I promise you that I am not taking drugs or doing anything illegal." <laughs> um, but what would an exorcist say to someone? Say perhaps me. Um, who has already been checked out by doctors and a psychiatrist. Um, I am in a medical field, um, but I have been able to sense and see outlines of negative spirits slash demons, as well as the occasional good spirit. I work palliative and hospice, and over the past couple of years, I have begun seeing these, especially before someone is about to pass. Um, even if I'm not supposed to, I pray and I privately say the Chaplet of Divine Mercy in those moments. Um, I have not asked for this, and I would prefer to not see these things. And mm -hmm. I do have a spiritual director, but I thought hearing from an exorcist would be good. I am working through the Manual of Spiritual Warfare, and I'm also getting Father uh, reading Father Rippinger's book. Okay. Give me some tips, because this, this stuff is kind of startling. Okay. So just to say, Father Ripperger does have some great material to, to take a look at. 
uh, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. That's a great thing. Very important. Um, so the person is saying they were checked out by a doctor. Now, doctors are great. Psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, the DSM, they, they do an evaluation. They find nothing wrong with you. Well, that doesn't mean that there's not some psychiatric disorder or personality disorder. Um, we don't have that field 100% completely figured out. So I will, I will say that. Um, also, has this person, you know, gotten an MRI and CAT scan of their brain, kind of getting, gotten those things checked out would be important, specifically because of what they're saying they're seeing. Um, now, granted, if you read like Father Gabriel Amorth, some of his books and some of the Italian exorcists, they, they will admit that there are different charisms of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have a charismatic renewal in the, the Catholic Church, what I, that I think is something very beautiful. I've been involved in that myself. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are amazing and awesome. They're they're biblical. I think there's charisms that operate that aren't necessarily in Scripture um, that are legitimate. So could she be a quote-unquote sensitive? It's possible. Um, they're saying they see outlines of negative spirits and demons as well as a good spirit. Well, how do they know that? They could be deceived. So we don't, our discernment is not perfect. We, we need to be very cautious about saying, oh yeah, this is a demon, this is not. Uh, I don't think we could say that with 100% certainty. I think you can have a good hunch. There's also, you know, souls in purgatory, disem, uh, what are they, disembodied spirits, people call them. It could be souls in purgatory that are seeking her prayers. Um, it could be a number of different things going on. It seems to be connected to when they're going to pass could be souls from heaven coming to visiting the, the, the relative that's about to, to lose their life. It's, it's really difficult to say. It could be saints. Um, but I would say, you know, if I was her spiritual director, I would say, you know, let's, let's put this on the shelf for a couple of years. Let's just pretend as though this doesn't exist, that this, we're not sure if this is from God. So we're just going to take a time out and hit the pause button and say, Lord, we surrender this to you. Uh, if this is from the devil and these are demonic benefits and gifts, we reject and renounce these. We want nothing to do with them. We completely reject these. We rebuke them, get them out. I don't want them. And if these things continue to happen, I would say, okay, maybe maybe this is the Lord. Maybe something is going on here. Lord, help us understand this, right? There's no book, there's no manual that we can turn to that the church has that's going to explain how you deal with this charism that may be operating. But I would say operate with wisdom and prudence and, and humility and uh, a spiritual director that is capable of walking with you on something like this. And I would be very, uh, once again, just to emphasize, be very cautious to say with certainty that you're seeing negative spirits and, and, and a good spirit. Good spirits don't exist. Uh, souls in purgatory exist and souls in heaven. Uh, there are no good, quote, demonic spirits. So that's something that people get from these uh, paranormal shows. There's ones that pretend they're good, but they're never good. They, they pretend they're good so that you, they lure you in. And then they got you and you've signed the contract. So. Thank you, Father. That makes sense, Father Paul? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, look, I could keep going. I, I, there's, yeah. I, I, I'm just coming up with my own question, but I'm going to ask yeah. a couple of the questions because there's a lot of these ghost shows, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are ghosts real? 
Because my understanding is that when a soul, somebody dies, their soul goes to either heaven, purgatory, or hell. So how can ghosts exist if they do, if a soul goes to either heaven, purgatory, or hell? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and I could be mistaken, but I don't think the church has a definitive answer on this, uh, especially in the catechism. But just looking at the scriptures, right, always turning to the Bible and the teaching authority, the magisterium of the church, her documents, and the, the catechism of the Catholic Church, the scriptures point out at one moment that when Jesus, I think he's walking on the water, they, they thought it was a ghost, right? They were terrified. So what does that indicate to us? That, yeah, even ghosts existed back then. They experienced ghosts to a degree. So it seems as though the evidence is absolutely overwhelming for the existence of ghosts. Uh, my opinion would be that ghosts are souls in purgatory. And if you go to different places, <clears throat> for example, in Pennsylvania, I, Harrisburg, I think in particular, you know, places where uh, the Civil War took place or battlefields or uh, Indian or different types of uh, grounds where, where people were murdered or uh, traumatized or, you know, kind of not ready to die. So for the Civil War, for example, you know, you had 15 or 16 year old uh, yeah. boys really that lost their life. They, they, they weren't they wanted to get married and have a family and they they quite they weren't quite ready to to lose their life. So in a very traumatic uh, unexpected death or a death that took place too early, such as I mentioned, it seems as though their soul can kind of linger around. And I, there's mystery there. I don't know why. If I could take a guess, it would be so that we pray for them uh, in some way, right? Their, their soul's in torment. They're, they're in purgation. Uh, we would refer to them as a, a disembodied soul or spirit. Um, the enemy can pretend to be a soul in purgatory as well, just kind of like with the example of uh, John Edwards that I used, um, or a soul in heaven, so that you start talking to them, right? So that you, you kind of give yourself over and, and enter into his, uh, his realm, right? He kind of can control you. Um, but yeah, I think ghosts are very real. As I said, the, the evidence is overwhelming. Um, cemeteries, Catholic monasteries, and yeah, uh, convents, this stuff is very real. Uh, sometimes a mass will be said, for example, let's say in a room in a hospital where somebody jumped out the window and committed suicide and the priest goes there and celebrates mass every day for a week. And, and then the room is fine. No more faucets are turning on. No more lights are turning on and off. Um, doors aren't slamming closed. So yeah, it gets remedied. So that tells us that was not a demon. That was not an evil spirit or an entity. That was a soul in purgatory trying to get our attention so that we could pray that they could enter into the beatific vision and go in heaven and, and, and be with God. So that's often a question when I get invited or asked to go bless a home or, you know, father, this house, this rectory or this, this school gym needs an exorcism, this classroom. And I don't just go there thinking, okay, this is an evil spirit. I go there thinking, well, is there a possibility that this is a ghost, that this is a soul in purgatory? So I may prepare by saying a mass or have that priest of that parish say a mass for the repose of, of a wandering soul that's there. But um, yeah, the church, I don't think, defines the theology on that, but I could be wrong, Father. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, I am. Uh, all right. Let's go to this one. This kind of this one kind of answers uh, uh, two and one. Uh, basically, what can um, 
people do to prevent basically to keep a holy household? What is the best way to keep ourselves safe from demonic possession? And um, what more can be done to keep a safe and holy household? Well, I think living our faith, uh, you know, a family that prays together, stays together, um, you know, keeping your house holy. Um, you know, if, if sinful things are happening in the home, they can be doorways, right? What are we watching on TV? What are we, what are we looking at on our phones? Um, you know, how much alcohol are we consuming? I'm not saying you're going to get possessed if you, you know, drink in excess, but could become sin. Anything, once again, that could become sinful can become a doorway, right? And kind of allow the enemy to, to creep in, to, to divide and destroy the family and, and cause division and rebellion, uh, pride or, or, or whatever, uh, unforgiveness, hatred, resentments. Um, so yeah, just trying to pray using the sacraments, uh, faithfully and frequently. I mean, like, for example, the church says, you know, you only need to go to confession once a year or receive the Eucharist once a year. Well, that's in her mercy that she says that, but you put the minimum in, you're only going to get the minimum out. Right. So just, you know, keeping your home, a, a holy home, maybe doing an enthronement to the, the sacred heart of Jesus having a holy image in a prominent area of the home. Uh, I know people are get into all these sacramentals and blessed candles and a, a blessed bell and, you know, holy oil and, you know, exercise salt and exercise water. Well, those are sacramentals. They're good, but they work in combination with our faith, right? They're not magic. It's not superstition. We, we can go crazy with the, the holy salt, right? Um, it has its place. But our faith is in our Lord Jesus, not not all these different things, right? They're signs of our faith. Uh, holy water, it's a it's a sign and symbol of our baptism. Well, are we living our baptismal promises, right? So just trying to be faithful to the small things and having a relationship with God, I think, would protect most people. I mean, maybe saying a, a little deliverance prayer every now and again um, to protect your home and asking for the assistance of your guardian angel or one of your favorite patron saints. Um, you know, maybe praying the rosary once a week as a family. Um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different things that we can do. Uh, you know, if somebody's having problems, asking the precious blood of Jesus to seal the house, that's kind of a little bit of a, what we would call a deprecatory uh, deliverance prayer, a deprecation. You're asking God, right, to do something as opposed to what an exorcist does, an imprecation. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, right? I am the one uh, imperatively commanding the demon to leave. We pray the Our Father, deliver us from evil. It's a deprecation. We're asking God to liberate us, right? We're not commanding any spirits. So I would say take that uh, stance, you know, to have that disposition of uh, just a childlike faith and trusting in God. The older I get, the more mature I get in my faith. In my faith, honestly, the more simple my faith becomes. I'm not saying all these prayers and using this template and this deliverance prayer and a prayer protection and a perimeter prayer and umberlino prayer i'm just like lord i trust you cover me with your precious blood send your angels um be with me you know i just simplify things and i'm not getting lazy but i'm just it's i realize it's more do i have more faith in the prayer or is my faith in god right do i really need to pray you know 20 rosaries a day well that's good but are, are we just like just, you know, is it just lip service? What's what's actually happening in the heart? You know, one rosary said over an hour with deep, profound faith would be much better than 20 just rattling them off, you know? So, 
All right, Father, we're going to end uh, with this last question here. Um, okay. What, uh, if anybody, and I think a lot of what you just said really is a majority of the answer to the question that I'm about to ask, but even though um, it has not been the intention of this episode to scare anyone, the very nature of talking about the reality of uh, devils and demons are going to, especially when we're talking about some things and sins uh, in people's life where their conscience might really be, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. Like if your conscience is bothering you right now, if you are feeling like guilty from like get to confession, like that, that's a, that's a beautiful thing so that you can be liberated. But mm -hmm. for those people who may be a little scrupulous and, and, and my, this might like freak them out. What words, what, what, um, what words of comfort or challenge uh, would you say to them? Well, I would say, <laughs> where is your faith? And then I would remind them of the words of Padre Pio. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Right? Like, Jesus is Lord of our lives. Like, he's, he, he destroyed the power of the enemy on the cross. Like, we, we honest have, honestly have nothing to worry about. Like, God is our Father. He wants to protect us. Um, now, granted, we're weak, fragile human beings, and we make poor decisions. And Sometimes those decisions uh, have repercussions that are negative and we got to deal with that, um, but we work through it. But yeah, we just keep on keeping on, uh, pray, hope, and don't worry and, and trust and use the sacraments. Take advantage of all of these wonderful things the church has. I mean, Jesus Christ, the son of God and son of man, right? Body, blood, soul, and divinity. He's in every church. Like, go spend some time with them. If you're struggling, just... Go sit with him. Just go be with him. He knows your heart. Just hand your heart to him. Surrender. You don't even need to say anything. Just speak heart language. I think we, we overcomplicate things. Sometimes less is more. Just simplify it. Ask him, for, ask him to grow in faith, right? The apostles prayed that. Increase our faith, right? Lord, I struggle trusting you. Well, Lord, help me to trust you more, that you really do love me, that you, what I was saying is true, that, um, that I am loved by you, et cetera. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. The, you know what? I, I just can't get to all these questions. Uh, there's some yeah, really good questions. Much. And you know what? That means I'm just going to have to have you come on again. And the reality is that I want to, you know, is that like, you know, what I was told is that compared to the Lord, like the devil's like a gnat, right? He's like a little flea compared to, not compared to us, <clears throat> but compared to Jesus, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> You know, it's not like the devil is the the opposite of God. Like the, the devil is, you know, it's like Jesus for Satan. Like, no, like God is the creator. The devil is a creature, a fallen creature who rebelled. So there, it's not like, you know, uh, Star Wars where it's like, you know, um, the uh, the Jedi versus the dark side. You know, they have like the same level of power. Like, no, like God, like the devil fears God. Yeah, he's shaking God. in his boots. He's shaking Absolutely. in his boots, right? So let us not be afraid. We focus on Christ, open up our hearts to, to God, to, to Jesus Christ, to the graces that that he that 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 were given, especially through uh the intercession of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who I mean she's uh the, like the terror of demons, you know. Oh, yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about her enough. She is yeah, awesome. we didn't, we didn't. That's what I'm saying. Is we have to have I have so many other good questions, especially how the devil has affected the church. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're just going to have you on again, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. 
you know, so I mean, because the devil has also infiltrated the church in a couple different ways. I mean, Pope uh, Paul VI said that uh, Satan has entered. Uh, what did he yeah, say? The smoke, of Satan, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. Nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, I mean, what does that mean? All right, and that—that's like a weird spot, spot to end right now. But we just we just cannot continue forward. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, trust in Christ. Trust in Christ. But this is the reality. This is the reality. You know what? When I was a kid, when I was a high school kid, somebody challenged me. They said, you know what? What you're doing, what you're doing right now, some of the things that you're doing is, is evil. And, and you need to go to confession. And I was like, what? Like, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, yeah. the fact that when somebody told me about that, that a Ouija board or going to, to get my palm read could be an, a door to, to the enemy. I was like, what? Nobody told me this stuff. Yeah. You know, thank yeah. God I renounced all of it. Thank God I went to confession. Thank God. So Amen. where could where where could where could people find some good resources, Father? Where could people find some good resources that are going to want more or need more after listening to this episode? Uh, where could we point them? Yeah, I would say one of the best apps that you can download. It's called Catholic Exorcism, but. Please only say the prayers that are for the laity. There are some prayers for priests there, um, but that would be very important to do. Stay in your lane and to say the prayers that are uh, are for you. Uh, Father Ripperger's Confraternity uh, Auxilium Christianorum is also a very good app and resource. And once again, there's one for priests and there's one for laity. Uh, comes also in the form of a book. Uh, a little booklet. It's just daily prayers, uh, Sunday through Saturday, that you can recite each day, five to seven minutes, and keep us uh, exorcists in mind. And our team members, when you pray those, please lift us up. We need intercessors. And then uh, there's all kinds of stuff on YouTube. Father Ripperger's great. Uh, I think his name's Father Vince Lambert. Uh, he's an awesome guy as well. Very balanced, healthy, approach but if you'd like to learn more they have some great interviews and information available on exorcism deliverance liberation spiritual warfare there's tons of stuff out there so all right thank you very much uh, i thoroughly enjoyed having you on uh thank you and uh why don't we end this uh this episode uh with a prayer for all that that are, are listening right now um i i'll close in prayer if you don't mind or do you want yeah, to say absolutely prayer? go ahead father Close, All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for being in our life. And we ask for a double portion of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, because your Holy Spirit is the only spirit that we want in our heart, mind, body, and souls. For all the listeners out there, Lord God, let them know how much you love them. Let them be not afraid and fill them with your Holy Spirit. If they have things that they need to confess, if there's some healing that needs to be done in their life, Lord Jesus Christ, please give them that gentle push. Let them to accept you into their heart and their mind. We ask for the prayers and the protection of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, uh, all of the angels and saints. And let us pray in a special way um, the uh, Hail Holy Queen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. Mother of mercy. Our, life, our life, our sweetness, our sweetness and, our hope. and our hope. To thee do we to cry. Thee do we cry. Poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, 
Pray for us, pray for us, Holy, Holy Mother, Mother of God, that we may become worthy of the promises of Christ. Thank you for listening to A Holy Mess. We want to thank Father Ghostbuster for coming on here. We're definitely going to have a part three at some point where we're going to talk about the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the role of St. Joseph, the angels and the saints. Maybe we can even uh, get into the whole, uh, you know, angelology or demonology and the theology behind this. We barely scratch the the surface. Um, But because of the fact, and we didn't even get into the fact that it's Halloween and All Saints Day and All Souls Day, that is just around the corner now. Um, Or by the time you hear this, they may have uh, actually already passed. Uh, But we want to thank you and thank everybody for listening. So God bless you. Uh, Love you, Father. God bless you. Thank you, Father. All right, that was part two with uh, my interview with Father Ghostbuster, a Catholic exorcist. I hope you enjoyed it. A lot of juicy stuff there. But remember, be not afraid. The devil is not the one to focus on. It's Jesus Christ. As long as we focus on him, let Jesus into our heart and mind every day, we have nothing to fear. Be not afraid. 365 times in the Bible, one for every single day of the week. Let Christ be your joy. God bless. See you next week when we're going to have Debbie Humane, uh, Debbie Humane on from iHeartRadio. Join us next week when we're going to have on Debbie Humane from iHeartRadio. God bless you. Yeah.